Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're invited to share a dazzling celebration with us at Disneyland. In just 10 minutes, Tinkerbell will bring the skies above Sleeping Beauty Castle to life as never before. Welcome to another episode of Three Guys in the Mouth. Josh here with my co-host, George. Yo, yo. And Hunter. Hey, how's it going? And today we're going to be actually doing a list for you guys. It's going to be our three favorite shows, fireworks, and parades. So here we go. All right. Just like I said, we're going to be talking about shows, fireworks, and parades. Now, I know most, like, list shows are done, like, oh, top five, top ten. But, of course, uh, there's way too many. And we decided to split these as, like, these kind of things. Because we've also discussed before, we're not huge fans of sitting and watching any of these. We, uh, I hate to admit, are either a lot more commando or will also be the kind of park tourists who just kind of, you know, walk around and wander around. We're not big on any of these. So that's why I do make it a point that when they are good enough that we like actually visit them quite often, I think it's a big deal. So to start with, we're going to go with shows. And for our number three show, I'm going to go with Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. Now, not only is this a classic attraction, obviously, but this is one of those attractions that also has Walt Disney's fingerprints all over it. This is something that he's wanted to do since the 50s. Uh, the whole thing, though, is that he couldn't do what he originally wanted. Now, if you do have Disney+, Plus, which I assume most people do and anyone listening does, they have an episode of the Disneyland TV show on there that's called Liberty, uh, The Liberty Story, and it does feature, and that's like what, one thing like Disney fans were really excited about. It features a segment where Walt Disney talks about the upcoming Liberty Street that was going to be built at Disneyland. And of course, the joke is that if you listen to it, it's very obvious that this plan is at Disney World because he describes that it's going to be a little cul-de-sac off of the side on the east side of Disneyland. It's actually specifically over, uh, you know, the Mad Hatter next to the Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln uh, Opera House. It's supposed to be that cul-de-sac. So it was supposed to be a cul-de-sac that was set during the Revolutionary War era. And at the end of it, you would have Liberty Square, 
obviously. <laughs> and the main attraction of this was going to be called the Hall of Presidents, and it was going to feature audio animatronics of every president at that point. But, of course, this was like 1956 or seven, something like that. But the whole thing is that they did not have the technology to do to pull this off, especially in that like small amount of space. So he kind of just shelved it, and he shelved this idea for a little while. And then, of course, 1964, we have the World's Fair. And this becomes a huge thing for Walt Disney and it, the Disney Company, because, of course, as we all know now, he actually used this as a thing to see if they could sell a Disneyland on the East Coast. Now, with the 64 World's Fair, one of the things that he knew was that he wanted to do this uh, attraction. And he basically came down to the idea of, if we can't do all the presidents, which president is the best one, you know, to do? And that's the thing, is that he landed on his favorite president, which is Abraham Lincoln. Because, of course, he would love Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> but... With this, you know, it was incredibly complicated. And, of course, he was like, well, wouldn't it be great if we could get someone to foot this bill? And he found out that the state of Illinois was looking to do an attraction for the 64 World's Fair. And, of course, he was like, oh, this is perfect. Illinois is where Lincoln is from. So he sells it to them, and they uh, foot the bill. And famously, though, this attraction took forever to build. All of the other, the three other attractions that Disney made for the 64 World's Fair opened in 1964. This attraction opened at the end of 64 because they had so many problems with it. One of the funniest uh, I can think of, it's in my Bob Gurr book, is that Bob Gurr, who designed it, uh, they used hydraulic fluid for it. And uh, when they did one of the test previews, the hydraulic fluid cut and it started leaking while they were doing the presentation. And the funny thing is that it was red hydraulic fluid. So his shirt began to spill with red fluid. And people thought that they were showing Abraham Lincoln's assassination in front of them, which horrified people. <laughs> Just like one of the funny, stupid ideas. But when it did finally open at the tail end of 1964 for the two-year World's Fair, it got huge praise. It was so lifelike that people actually uh, were telling people, or they told the, new, uh, the news and the media that Lincoln came down and he greeted people and talked to them. Like, they insisted that this robot was a real person. That's how uh, amazing this attraction was when they first saw it. Now, it has been through, like, a few different versions. I know we've mentioned it lightly before. Like, in the 90s, they introduced using stuff from... Um, American Adventure, so that's why when you go to it now, they've got the two brothers in there, which, I'll be honest, I did not know. <laughs> I love the song, but I did not yeah. know that that's where it came from. But th this is, of course, like a timely attraction, and like I said, it's got Walt Disney's fingerprints all over it. Uh, George, what are some of your thoughts on great moments with Mr. Lincoln? I think I think you said best about everything that is just such a great moment of everything. Every time, like, I go and see, like, that show, it just makes me feel how much that the USA is, like, such a great country, you know? Like, that's how I feel every time when I leave that show. Another thing, too, is that, to me, it's like, whenever you are in that show, I mean, like, it's like, you know, since that show is a little time, 
get to a little rest up, like sit down a little bit, get my energy back up. No, uh, you actually brought up a couple things that I forgot to mention, which is A, it is famously one of the greatest attractions if uh, you're having a hot day, especially when they do reopen with this mask wearing. I can say already that uh, that's already an issue. Of course, we live in a state that's over 100 degrees, but you're going to need to cool down. And where else would you cool down other than great moments with Mr. Lincoln? But also there's the patriotism. Because, and that's one thing I feel like Walt Disney really hit on the head is he chose a figure that through time was never going to uh, have like a re-examining of, you know, a president being like, oh, is this guy really that great? If you pay attention to like the media or whatever, there are certain figures in history that, you know, when you look at them again, you go, this guy is not who I thought he was. But Abraham Lincoln, and, you know, I'm a big Abraham Lincoln fan. I have a book uh, that I've been reading about him. And the thing is, is that even though there are, like, dark things about his history, the thing is, is that he ultimately always is the same guy that you thought he was, which is he's the great emancipator. He's the guy that spent his life arguing and pushing for freedom and equality for all. It is actually funny in uh, my Lincoln book, they bring up that he was very smart about that because equality for all in 1860 was not something people were behind. So he was very secretive about his belief that of equality for all. It's actually, he had said it once and that's why he uh, lost the race for Senate for Illinois is because Stephen Douglas pointed that out to people. He was like, you know, he said equality for all. And he's like, because of course he quoted the Constitution. And he's like, so you believe everyone is, uh, that's going on a whole different historical bend. But I just think that's very interesting because it's like, like I said, especially like in the time we're living right now, it's very easy to look at presidents now and historical figures and re-examine them. But Lincoln is one that stands the test of time. Hunter, what what kind of thoughts do you have on this? Honestly, uh, you just kind of hit my point hard because growing up, even now, I'm a huge history buff. And like, obviously, you know, we, we live in America, so that's obviously like the big history stuff I like to read about. So yeah, it's, it's actually one of those uh, attraction shows, you know, whatever you want to label it as that uh, whenever we do get the chance to go visit it, I actually thoroughly enjoy myself. Uh, you know, the music is really cool. The, the story is great. And, you know, when I was a little kid, hearing Lincoln speak was just like the coolest thing. Yes, and actually an interesting thing I did not know is that the script, the speech that he is giving, is actually taken from different speeches from Lincoln. So it's actually a speech written by Lincoln. Just all they did is they took it from a bunch of speeches and they uh, took their favorite parts out and they compiled them together. Which I also, I was just like, what a cool, interesting idea. Because I, I did think, I'm like, how did they get this to sound kind of like Lincoln? And I'm like, oh, that's how. It is Lincoln. <laughs> that's great. So moving on, our number two show, which uh, I feel like no one should be that surprised, is Disneyland's first 50 magical years. So this actually replaced, and I'm going to tell you right now, things for Disneyland's 50th is all over this list. But... This is a show that replaced Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln for a limited time. To celebrate the 50th anniversary of Disneyland, they replaced it with a show uh, that was literally a, it was a screen and it was just presented like that. And it was inside the Main Street Opera House and it was Steve Martin and Donald Duck 
taking us and narrating us through Disneyland's history. The show was actually such a big hit that famously today it's still there. It's just it's not inside the theater anymore. They actually put up uh, on one of the walls, they put up a screen now with a couple benches and you can just watch it yourself, which uh, I will do on occasion because it's a great show. On top of that, it also makes it so that we have a kind of small, but still uh, we have an exhibit inside of the Disney Gallery area. Now that's dedicated to Disneyland history. And of course, the most famous thing is that it features two pieces of Tony Baxter's personal collection of Disney history. It's the, I'm going to say with air quotes, actual bench that Walt Disney sat on when he dreamt up Disneyland on the very famous story of taking his daughters to Griffith Park and one of the carousel horses at the Griffith Park carousel, which I just, I just love the idea that Tony Baxter just owns these. Like, it's just like a random thing to be like, oh yeah, I have one of the benches that we believe Walt Disney sat on, you know, eating peanuts. Just like, why would you own that? But whatever. Uh, so yeah, uh, with, with this one, uh, this is one that I can remember watching, you know, quite often uh, during the celebration for, uh, you know, the 50 years of Disneyland. And uh, it's, it's actually just a ton of fun seeing like this hilarious banter between Steve Martin and Donald Duck, which, you know, is like a combination that you didn't realize you needed in your life until you're watching it. That's also where I got one of my favorite, uh, like, random fun facts to tell people who don't really go to Disneyland a lot or know about Disney history. Where I'm like, oh, you know, Steve Martin used to work at Disneyland at the uh, Magic Shop. That's actually what I was going to bring up is that famously, Steve Martin actually worked at Disneyland, which is, of course, the main reason why he is featured in it. But that's like one of those cool things that they just throw in there because that's a specific Disneyland history. But it's also one of those things like, it connects everything together. I will say, uh, you know, there's been other people that have worked there, but I was just thinking, I'm like, oh, maybe some of them wouldn't be that great to feature. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, George, what are some of your thoughts on the Disneyland 50th show? I think what Hunter said best, like, Steve Martin, he's such a, like, good actor. So, like, the fact that, like, he's, like, the main guy with the video, like, really brings the joy. Even, even he, he's, like, a comedian. They're like, oh, okay, like, this is going to be fun. Like, he's going to be in it. This is about Disney, so. I think, too, uh, it's just kind of what you hit on. Steve Martin, I know a lot of people probably don't remember him now, especially younger people. But, like, for us, like, especially my timeline, I love Steve Martin. I remember him in so many things, like, Three Amigos was something I would watch all oh, the time man. on TV when it would play. Yeah, so it's like, Steve Martin is, like, definitely a guy that I'm like, when I see him in something, I'm like, amazing. Just kind of like uh, Martin Short is another one. That's why I always kind of laugh at like the, the people deriding, you know, his Canada film. I'm just like, who else would you have in the Canada film? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. real. You're not going to get Ryan Reynolds or something like that, which is probably the only one that people would think of. Also, I would say using Steve Martin is the most Michael Eisner thing you could be doing at this point. Because, <laughs> of course, Michael <laughs> Eisner was on his way out. <laughs> um, uh, moving on, though. And this is like a weird one, I guess, for shows. And I will say this is definitely partially as a parent. This is why uh, this is this one has jumped up. So Jedi Training Trials of the Temple is our number one for shows. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, this is very specific to my kids because they love this show. This was meant to push the Star Wars properties in the parks. And it actually opened originally as Jedi Training Academy. 
Now, when it originally opened, it opened at Disney Hollywood Studios, Disney MGM Studios at the time, and it was specifically only for Star Wars Weekend. But then, when Disney purchased Lucasfilm, they saw like the outpouring of fandom for this, so they extended it as a show that they ran at Disney Hollywood Studios, and eventually brought over to Disneyland to do on the Tomorrowland Terrace uh, Theater. Which, honestly, uh, out of all the things that they do there, like, I think that's probably the best thing they do. Now, it's had tons of, like, weird changes in it, especially in, like, characters. But I definitely think right now they have, like, the best version of it. Because you've got two, your two villains that show up are the ones that you want to see. It's Kylo Ren and Darth Vader. And I love, going back to kind of our hate sometimes. No, not hate. I would say um, our complaint or at least my complaint on like star wars galaxy's edge is the timeline right so i love that with trials of the temple as it is now they deal with more being like this is a trial for you know you know young padawan so it uses the force which means that anyone could pop out of that thing and they of course use the two that are the most famous so it's going to be darth vader and kylo ren I mean, everyone can complain all they want about what they think of the sequel trilogy, but it's like children, especially young children, know Kylo Ren. Like, that is a top-tier villain for them. I did did also want to mention that it's one of the few things that features a script, but because it's live actors, they're able to change things how they want. And I know... So one thing is this show is one thing that I will see every time I go to Disneyland. And specifically, uh, I have seen them do the funniest things ever. Uh, there was one time we went and there was a little kid that was, you know, one of the Padawans. He was dressed as Darth Vader. And uh, Darth Vader gave his little speech about, you know, uh, you need to join me, blah, blah, blah. And then the Jedi Master said to him, he was like, they'll never join you. Well, maybe the one dressed like you, he might. But the rest of us <laughs> will never join you. And I was like, this dude is hitting on all cylinders. There was another time we went where one of the kids that was a Padawan learner, she was dressed as Elsa from Frozen. And this guy sang the lyrics to let it go in between each command. So, you know, they have like their commands. They're like, you know, right shoulder, left shoulder. And he is literally doing the lyrics in between. And I was like, this guy deserves a raise. (laughs) (laughs) It's a cute show for kids. It's definitely a dream to come true. Even for adults, for me, like, I know you're talking about, like, Kylo Ren and Darth Vader, but, like, even when Darth Maul comes, like, in the beginning and does his, like, tricks, whatever, I'm like, holy crap, like, Darth Maul is there. And the other thing that I like, too, is for, like, the Stormtroopers, like, for example, like, there's some Stormtroopers, like, in the the other side. And just looking at random, like, people, so they're, like, pointing things out to, like, the crowd, which is cool. But one story that... I remember, I don't know if I saw this in the video or we were there, but this kid like was whacking the lightsaber at Darth Vader. Darth Vader, you could tell as the actor, like, holy crap, like this guy's gonna hit me. And like the stormtrooper trying to break it up and he used the force on them. And of course they played it off. So they backed up. And then to like the Jedi training guy was like, okay, that's enough. Like, good job, good job. <laughs> I remember that. That was so hysterical when it happened like i said we were there and you were there with us and i was so funny it was just like what a weird moment and my my favorite thing was like you said when those stormtroopers came to help out 
when he stopped dead and he threw his hand up and they jumped backwards, I was just like, they just made the greatest magical moment for a child. That he was just like, I really have this power right now. That was definitely a top-notch moment. Hunter. Oh, yeah, I just really quick to add on to that. You know, like, kids going to be, like, 40 years old one day. Like, I remember the time I used the Force to uh, destroy a couple of stormtroopers while I fought off Darth Vader. But, <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, you guys are exactly right. It's, it's actually a lot of fun. Like, even if you're not with one of the kids that gets chosen, if you just watch the show, you can watch the, the kids in your group just having a ball watching this, especially with the new version where, like, they ask the audience to help out and use the force to, for the close yeah, off uh, yeah. Kylo Ren. Oh, yeah, my my two kids love that. That's one of their favorite moments is uh, when you force push uh, Kylo Ren back into the temple. Yeah, and, like, it's really cool because there's been a couple times where we've gone and you guys aren't with us where even as we're walking to get to, like, you know, to Fantasyland or wherever we're going, You'll turn around, you'll see these kids, and you'll just see a, a crowd of just a ton of kids and their parents pushing Kylo Ren back. And it's just like, oh man, this is really cool to watch. There's so many people, you know, get really excited over the show. Um, I totally agree. So to move on to fireworks, this is uh, the only fireworks show that celebrates Disneyland itself. Now, they kind of cut it up into sections, obviously. Of course, I know Hunter, this is his thing. It's introduced by Julie Andrews. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> she was like the Grand Marshal for the 50th. But uh, they play When You Wish Upon a Star. You see Tinkerbell fly. Then it goes into different sections of the park. So you get Main Street, USA, where you get songs like the Broke Hoedown, which of course is the Main Street Electrical Parade. Then you move over. Uh, oh, and during all of this, they play audio. And that's like another thing that was amazing to me. Like, they play the audio of Jack Wagner's, I would say, iconic Disneyland Railroad announcement. They do Adventureland, you've got the Tiki Room, and you've got Raiders March, you know, from uh, Indiana Jones, for the sake of it, I guess. <laughs> but you got New Orleans Square, of course. I, th- I, I remember, for some reason, we were very good at always walking into Disneyland when it was the New Orleans section. Do you remember that, Hunter? <laughs> I do. <laughs> That was like a weird thing. We seemed to always walk in when this was going on. But, you know, because they would use the lighting and you would, of course, get Grim Grinning Ghost and Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for me. Then you would move to Frontierland where they would play Ballad of Daisy Rock Crockett. They would do uh, Big Thunder, of course, with the famous uh, Wildest Ride in the Wilderness on there. Then you would move to Critter Country. Critter Country, of course, we all know what song that's going to be. Everybody has a laughing place. So uh, they do a Splash Mountain section. Then they do kind of like a fantasy land jump where they're just kind of going through those together. So you get like the unbirthday song and whatever. Tomorrowland, they do Star Wars, which of course is funny to me because it's like, what do you do for Tomorrowland? Like I know they played like audio and sounds from like famous rides like Space Mountain, Autopia, People Mover. But, like, their main thing was Star Tours, which I, I always thought was funny. I'm like, because there's just, like, that's the joke of Tomorrowland is, what is Tomorrowland? <laughs> right? <laughs> that seems to be a joke. But then uh, it would end with Julie Andrews coming back. You would see Tinkerbell fly back over the castle. Now, this is, like, a big deal because, of course, we've never seen that happen before. The next few 
per, uh, our fireworks shows actually use that same thing going on where you can go back up the thing because famously for the longest time the uh, route for Tinkerbell literally was a one shot like you know she would get on uh, that line at Matterhorn and ride that thing down uh, you would see her pretending to fly then when the lights came off of her it was just her bracing for impact at the end of the line so <laughs> It's kind of funny that, like, now they can move up and down on that thing. Also, this show was 17 minutes long, and it actually cost $33,000 a night to uh, do. So uh, what are some thoughts uh, that you have on this, George? I know you actually went there a few times with me when they were still running this. Yeah, I think, like, the cool thing is, like you said, the Tinkle Bell. Like, that's pretty cool, too. That's honestly the big thing that I was like like saying wow a lot was that little part yeah actually because what uh i remember she would fly kind of like back and forth which was like weird too where because we had never seen that before we're like what is what's this i know uh the next couple fireworks shows actually definitely used that to their advantage which i give them full credit for (laughs) hey gotta use it right yeah hunter what what are some thoughts that you have on this fireworks show well of course you know like you touched upon when you first introduced it, I do love uh, Julie Andrews, so having her there as your grand marshal is great. But, no, I mean, like, you, you hit it square in a jaw where I was going to, you know, come in from, which is, it's just cool actually hearing them go through all the rides that, obviously, we grew up with. And, uh, of course, like you were saying, we always had the, uh, <laughs> we, we were really good about coming in during my favorite part of it, which is Haunted Mansion, because that is, like, my favorite ride. Yeah, and, you know, Pirates for me. Uh, uh, no, like, like I said, um, mm-hmm. you know, my favorite thing is that they're they're literally celebrating Disneyland in this fireworks show. I was going to mention, too, that uh, Steve Davison, who was the director of this show, he actually would describe it as an e-ticket in the sky, which I thought was funny. But I feel like this, to me, is, and, you know, once again, to criticize you guys, but this, to me, is, like, the top for fireworks shows spectacular and that's the thing is like the next few that they do uh actually even leading up to now you can tell that they're trying to capture that again but the issue becomes trying to really hit that because it's like this show from what i know anyway was like pretty much universally loved but then when they replace it and they keep trying to change it it's just the thing of that they uh and like i said with the timeline this is one of those things, kind of like uh, Main Street Electrical Parade, where they just keep coming back to it. And you're just like, oh, man, like, <laughs> will, how will they get out of this? So to move on, I begrudgingly will say the number one for us is Magical. Disney's new nighttime spectacular of magical celebration. First of all, I just want to say, the world's dumbest name. I don't know why. <laughs> I never knew that this show had this insanely long name. An interesting note on this fireworks show, though, is this is literally the fireworks show that replaces Remember Dreams Come True. It ran from 2009 to 2014. It was 13 minutes long and cost about $25,000 to run every night. Now, the thing with this one, this is more of a traditional fireworks show for Disneyland. I'll go through it like the opening you know, spotlights, whatever. Then you see Tinkerbell. You get second uh, star to the right, so you see her. Then you get one you wish upon a star. 
You get Hi Diddly D from also from Pinocchio. You got Chim Chim Cherie from Mary Poppins, which I do want to mention really quickly, just because it always seems to blow people's minds. Did win an Academy Award for uh, Best Original Song. Not the other songs from that movie. <laughs> Chim Chim Cherie was the one that won it, which I think is so funny. Also, it's my personal favorite from that movie, so that's why I love that that's the one that won it. Now, um, after Chim Chim Cherie, they would go through uh, Jolly Holiday, Step in Time, Let's Go Fly a Kite, and Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, which I can't say. And then, <laughs> then they would go into, to me, this is like the iconic moment of this uh, parade. Anyone that saw it, I know, will always remember it, and I believe in my guess is why you guys outvoted me on saying this is the number one. But they would play Baby Mine from Dumbo, and then you would hear Timothy Mouse say, you can do it, Dumbo, you can fly, you don't need that magic feather. And then you would see, on the line that Tinkerbell flies on, you would see Dumbo flying over the castle. And I will say, even though, you know, this isn't my favorite fireworks show, that was definitely a moment where you were like, what? <laughs> what is this? So from there, you would get True Love Kiss from Enchanted. Um, I, I can't understand why. But uh, <laughs> just to fully admit, there, that, that there just are, seems like synergy, right? <laughs> yeah, they're like, just throw it in there, I guess. <laughs> they're like, this movie just came out. How about you throw this into the, uh, into the fireworks show? But um, then it uh, was followed with A Dream is a Wish That Your Heart Makes, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo, and um, So This Is Love, and you would get some music from Beauty and the Beast and Once Upon a Dream, and then you know, you get A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes playing again, and that's the end. And I guess it, uh, you would see Tinkerbell come back on the line, and then you would get confetti launched from the rooftops of, the, of uh, Main Street. Anyway... So this is your guys' talk, so uh, I'll <laughs> give you guys your moment of glory. But George, why is it that you love this par- or this fireworks show so much? The, the Dumbo, man. I know why, though. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> I'm going to say I know exactly why. Dumbo. I mean, like, they advertised so much, like, it was on the map, saying that Dumbo was, like, flying whatever. Yeah, for me, it's going to be, like, the Dumbo. <laughs> uh, I mean, I do like Mary Poppins, like, that scene also. Like, I think that's pretty cool. But no, yeah, I, I think we all agree, like the Dumbo. I do remember that, like, Park Map, I remember for the longest time, had the shot of the castle with the Dumbo over it, <laughs> just to make it a point, like, you're going to see Dumbo fly. Now, you know what? Because when we were discussing this, I know we were also all, all three of us, because it was during a, one of our dinner nights, uh, we were all kind of, like, running a, like you know, running away from the conversation, so I don't even remember giving this on my top bid, but I probably did just because growing up, you know, when we come in, Dumbo fly at night and it's like oh this is awesome you know so it's, it's, it's funny enough to say that that might be what swayed it because I don't remember specifically saying this is my number one but if I did that would, that would be the tipping reason leave it to Hunter to make this political like whoa now that I'm being called out uh, I don't know if this is my favorite didn't uh, they put drones or anything like that I forgot how they made no. that Dumbo fly oh yeah no the Dumbo was a puppet but, you know, it, it was a thing. They just put him back. They just put him on the line, and then they would use a remote to uh, run him. There is a note on here I did not know, which was that Dumbo didn't fly every night, which I'm just like, imagine going and not seeing that moment. Like, I would have been incredibly angry. <laughs> just like, what? 
Is that going to be the one thing this fireworks show is known for? No, um, you know, like I said, though, I fully believe that uh, you guys outvoted me for this tempo. I will say to criticize George, I know we saw this one a lot of times specifically because of his wife, April, because she is a humongous Dumbo fan. And I remember that was something we had to stop to see if we could see it. <laughs> yeah. Just to make a note for you. <laughs> I do want to point out, though, with that, like I said before, they started, like, doing this, like, kind of as a thing. So, like, there's... So you get Dumbo here, but then uh, the Pixar one, they actually did both the Ellie's house, uh, or the Ellie house from Up, they would do that one. I actually think that was like the coolest moment um, because they would use the, they did like pro uh, projection mapping on Main Street and they would use that with that moment. So you'd see like the balloons and then you would see the house appear flying over Disneyland, which is amazing. Um, and they also would have a moment which uh, was also cool, but it was kind of a little more, uh, you know, whatever, because he didn't do much. But they would have a Buzz Lightyear section, and they actually would uh, have Buzz Lightyear, like, on the line, too, which that was cool. You would see him fly. It was just like, what? Buzz Lightyear, too? That's cool. Like, to infinity and beyond. Exactly. Like I said, um, I was outvoted on that, so whatever. I'm not going <laughs> to take it personally, but also I kind of will. No, so moving on from this is where we get to parades. So when it, it comes to parades, I would say with parades, the easiest thing I can tell you right now is that this is probably the least thing that we watch. Because like we're very, like I said before, we're, uh, all three of us are very much more in the mindset of do as much as we can. However, on that, the parades, when they do have a good parade, we will definitely make it a point to stop for that. And I will tell you that specifically about our number one choice, because that was literally a big deal for us but starting at number three once again going in the 50th narrative walt disney's parade of dreams which ran for the 50th anniversary of disneyland as part of the happiest homecoming on earth now this parade ran from 2005 till 2008 so one of the interesting things with this is that they did this kind of weird promotion with it where they it's during when the year of a million dreams where they would have a random family chosen every day that would be the Grand Marshal for the pre-parade cavalcade, because they have to name things insanely. But, so they would have like a special float where the family would stand and you would get to see them. You know, I always thought that was like silly. I was like, I don't want to be on the parade. <laughs> I didn't come <laughs> to the theme park for that moment. But the prize that they got with that is that you had a choice to either stay one night in the Mickey Mouse penthouse at the Disneyland Hotel or you could stay in the brand new Disneyland Dream Suite in New Orleans Square. I'm going to say right now, if you chose the Mickey Mouse Penthouse ever, you are insane. <laughs> okay, I get it. Um, sorry, I just read uh, the pre-parade thing that would have the Grand Marshal, uh, the family on it. They actually used that as a mini parade to promote whatever new movie they were pushing. So... During the time, it had Ratatouille, Enchanted, which we just made fun of, but, um, <laughs> uh, Enchanted and Bolt on there. So, oh man, they really, uh, actually, I feel like people always forget that, though. Disney really believed in Enchanted, and it did do well, but, like, it's one of those things where, like, they never did anything more, and it's like, what happened? 
Because they did a yeah, lot of work on it. Yeah, and it's an enjoyable film, honestly. So to move on to Parade, like I said from the beginning, we're not big on like standing for things. So Parade is definitely a thing where there's tons of parades that Disney has done. And parades are not a thing that we normally stand by for. So when they do have one that's a big deal, I feel like it's a huge deal if we're stopping for these. And I can definitely tell you all three of these are parades that we would stop every time for. And uh, our number one, I can tell you, even though I think people will argue with us as, as it being number one, but I can tell you that we genuinely stop for this parade every time it ran. But starting with number three, we're going to go with a very common theme, as you can see, is Walt Disney's Parade of Dreams, which premiered in 2005 to celebrate the happiest homecoming on Earth, the 50th anniversary of Disneyland. Now, this parade ran from 2005 to 2008. It was approximately 35 minutes long because it has three stops in it, which is insane. But a pretty like cool thing that they did is that when they started doing the Year of a Million Dreams in 2008, which was a, it was actually what they were doing in both parks and both coasts. So they would do this thing before it called the Grand Marshal Pre-Parade Cavalcade. Now I remember this because one family at random would be chosen every day to be the Grand Marshal of the parade and they would stand on a float. It was kind of, that part to me is kind of stupid. But what was cool is that their prize on top of to get a one-night stay in either the Mickey Mouse penthouse inside the Disneyland Hotel or the Disneyland Dream Suite that opened in New Orleans Square. And I can tell you right now, if you stayed in the Mickey Mouse penthouse, you're insane. That is just absurd. <laughs> <laughs> to stay inside Disneyland would be a dream if uh, Bob Iger is listening to <laughs> I do love, though, that this, like, pre-parade thing that they're talking about, they actually used it as a kind of mini-parade to celebrate upcoming Disney movies because, of course, synergy. And uh, kind of a thing that we were just making fun of is that one of the characters that they had on there is they had um, Giselle from Enchanted on it. And I'm just like, they really pushed this movie real hard. They also had Ratatouille and uh, Bolt on there, but yeah, Man, they really believed in Enchanted. <laughs> like, they really <laughs> wanted this movie to be pushed hard on you. I don't know. I'm sure there's, like, a whole history to that, though, of why we didn't get more with that. Anyway, so the actual parade, like I said, is 35 minutes long. Now, it started... Uh, this is, like, a weird thing, though, with each of these parades, is that each unit actually has its own name for it, which I think is, like, silly. I don't know if that's, like, <laughs> just a Disney thing to do. So the first unit is called the Gateway to Dreams, and it featured Peter Pan inside a golden train with Tinkerbell sitting on the top of that train, and it was supposed to be the Main Street train station as the backdrop. It featured the fairy godmothers, the fairy godmother from Cinderella, Blue Fairy from Pinocchio, Flora Fauna and Merryweather from Sleeping Beauty, and sometimes it would have Merlin, which... Merlin is just like a random character they love at Disneyland. I'm just going to tell you right now. He comes out randomly whenever. It's like, oh yeah, dro drop this dude in here real quick. The next unit is called the Dream of Enchantment, which had Beauty and the Beast going on it. So it had Belle and Beast dancing with an audio animatronic Lumiere singing, Cogsworth, and Mrs. Potts and Chip would be entertaining the crowd 
while spoons, forks, knives, and salt and pepper shakers and feather dusters and plate dancers were performing around on the unit. The next unit is the Dream of Laughter, which is Pinocchio unit. This, of course, uh, featured a workshop with Geppetto, and it featured a giant Geppetto controlling can-can girls from the movie while they're playing an actor's life for me. It also had, like, randomly, I guess it had, like, Toy Story characters on it, like, oh, peep, <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> the next unit is Dream of Another World, which is Little Mermaid, Ariel sitting on top of a giant fountain of clamshells with an audio animatronic uh, Sebastian and Flounder. That was followed by Dream of Imagination, which was Alice in Wonderland. Then it was uh, the next one would be Dream of Adventure, which is Lion King, and it would end with Dreams Come True, which would have Mickey and Minnie as a king and queen on Sleeping Beauty Castle, which is amazing. But uh, it also had Princess Aurora, Snow White, and Cinderella, you know, all of your princesses in attendance. Like I said, though, everything for the 50th to me was just spectacular. I do remember standing and waiting for this all the time. This was uh, definitely a parade that I stopped multiple times to watch because, uh, once again, the same thing. I love that it was celebrating Disneyland. And even though I did not know it was 35 minutes long, though, but <laughs> apparently I just have time to wait. Uh, what are some of your thoughts on this, uh, George? I think the biggest thing for me is that, you know, I was pretty small when I saw this uh, parade, but all I remember is a lot of gold. Gold everywhere, so that's probably the only thing I have. No, I mean, that's a good point. Um, it was very much on gold. <laughs> because, of course, it was the golden anniversary. Well, what are some of your thoughts on this, Hunter? All right, so this is one of the last parades from when I was a, like, a small kid that I can remember uh, stopping for, and it was like I think it was also like the last time I was really short enough where uh, Dad would throw me up on his shoulder so I could see things. But no, I, I remember always having fun watching this. It was, it was always funny too because, again, even as a little kid, we didn't really stop for these uh, parades all the time. So this was like a special occasion for our family to stop and be like, oh, "Hold on, let's go watch this really quick." No, that's true. Um, I mean, we're all gonna just say that we didn't hear you mention the fact that you're tall. We get it, Hunter. You're six <laughs> feet tall now. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> No, you're right. Uh, for us to stop for a parade, honestly, through my whole life, like, uh, it had to be, like, a big deal parade. And that's the thing, though. It's like, this is one of those where it was just like, man, this is a huge deal. And going on that, uh, moving on to our next parade, is, <laughs> which I know is not a favorite of George's, but Paint the Night was is our number two. Now, Paint the Night... I will say, and I think you can listen to me complain about it, but this is a parade that I was not a fan of, did not care for it coming. Then I thought, I, w I believe we recorded about it, and I said I, like, I was just kind of like whatever to it. And then it became a thing where I didn't realize I liked it, and so it was like almost like a full year where every night we would stay at least one day that we were there we would stay uh to see that parade and then i remember my wife was like why are we always staying to watch this parade she's like i thought you don't care about these and i'm like yeah but you know uh ellie wants to watch it and then i realized uh, i'm like oh no i want to watch it that's what <laughs> that's what's going on <laughs> paint the night came for the diamond celebration for disneyland which was the 60th anniversary now 
this one is kind of weird because it also, and this is like a kind of a common thing that happens at Disneyland, you know, whatever you think of it. I'm not a fan of them doing this. It did go over to DCA for a minute for whatever reason. The weird thing about Paint the Night is that this is one of those parades where they already knew it was a hit because it had actually been running at uh, Hong Kong Disneyland and actually is still running there. Um, and that's the thing is that people love this thing. So immediately Disney was like, we should clone this and bring it over, which is exactly what they did. And they brought it to Disneyland, except when it came to Disneyland, it had a new float on it. So just to give you a quick thing on the Disneyland float. So Disneyland, you had the... Peter Pan drum unit, which is where you would see George uh, Tinkerbell. But you would see Peter Pan, Tinkerbell, some of Tinkerbell's friends from her fairy movies, Tigger, Beanie, oh yeah, and uh, and Lumiere. These were like huge floats too uh, of Tigger, Genie, and uh, Lumiere. It didn't like make sense why they're big, but whatever. Then you would have Monsters, Inc. Then it was like a dance party one. Uh, then you would have cars where it would feature a humongous Mack truck. Like, uh, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, this thing is probably the biggest float I've ever seen. It was huge and it's tall because it's yeah. a Mack truck. You had Lightning McQueen lit up and you also had DJ on the backside of Mack playing music. Uh, Little Mermaid. Um, this was also a humongous float, by the way. Then you've got Toy Story. You've got uh, Candlelight Dreams, which is a princess float, so it's Belle, Rapunzel, and Cinderella. Then you had Incredibles, which was a new float uh, specifically for Disneyland because Incredibles 2 was coming out because Synergy. And you would have Frozen, where it, this was another one where Fro the I remember they, they would not shut up about how big this float was, but it's because when you saw it, it was tall. And that was the thing is like, I remember when they would talk about how big it was, I was more impressed with, like I just said, I was more impressed with the Mac. But then the thing was with this one, it was definitely the height of it because the uh, Frozen float was humongous. Like it had this humongous power on it. And then the last float would be uh, Mickey Mouse on this uh, weird spiral thing. But I loved it so much. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, like I said, this was an amazing, for me anyway, it was an amazing thing. Now, the weird thing is that to try to push people after the uh, 60th, uh, after that, they try to push people over to DCA again. And so they bring it over to DCA, which is a common thing that happens. It only runs for one year at DCA. They actually had to remove the frozen float, which I know they must have hated because of the uh, wire lines for the red car trolley. Now, that that's where we get weird with it, because at Disneyland, uh, it closes at that point. Uh, so it opened in 2015. It ended in 2017. Then it goes to uh, Disney California Adventure for 2018, and then it closes, and it never comes back. And that's the thing is Disney never admits what happened or why it didn't come back. And of course, famously, it gets replaced by probably the most famous parade ever, the Main Street Electrical Parade, the parade that will never die. <laughs> you know, like I said, uh, I love this parade. Uh, I remember dumping on it so much before it came out, but 
man, when it hit, I was just in love. I, I was enamored and I couldn't help it. Uh, what are some of your thoughts on this, George? I think the main thing for me is just like, um, like you said before, like, like the Mac, like how big it is. And like, I'm not really a big fan of this parade just because of like the characters. Some of the characters are just like so weird to me that they didn't put so much effort into it. I get it. They wanted to glow like so much, but like, I don't know. That's just me. But uh, the music is pretty cool. It makes, I see a lot of kids and adults like dance a little bit, so uh, I'm not complaining that much. You don't like the Owl City? When can we do this again? Whoa, oh, oh. <laughs> I remember that. I was just like, man, I'm like, this this song is hitting. Also, it was a reference to Wreck-It Ralph, so I love that too. So, <laughs> I do want to add a quick note. I just noticed on the Wikipedia page for this, I didn't realize that in Hong Kong, Earlier this year in they in uh, Hong Kong they added a new float and it was the frozen fructose float which is the one I, I will not be surprised if it is the actual one from the Disneyland version and they just shipped it over there because they're like oh that's probably not coming back we'll just send this float back over there <sighs> they're so evil like that now <laughs> uh, Hunter what are some of your thoughts on this uh, no I mean it was a lot of fun. Uh, I think, like, honestly, it was the only parade that for a while we would stop to other than the one that we're about to talk about. But uh, I remember I was a little against it just because I was like, like man, I was like, it's, it's taking over for a Main Street electrical line. Like, everybody knows how much I love that parade, and I don't know why I love that parade. But this one is so amazing. And, and like you were saying, it's like that, that Mack truck for me is like the icon of the show because it's just like, dude, this thing is ginormous and, like, Normally, I would say something stupid like, oh, it's an eyesore, but with this one, I was like, dude, it's awesome to see. I did have an issue with uh, the music, and I know we talked about it off mic before. It's not that the song is bad, it's just, it's it's weird because the song doesn't fit with the other music that it's trying to mix into it. I think we actually did an episode about that. Uh, if you go back and listen to us talking about the Diamond Celebration, actually, I think that was like one of our first episodes, too. But... Uh, I do remember we talked about that, that uh, there was like a weird thing where it's like the songs for each unit did not mix well with When can uh, when Will I See You Again from Owl City. That's the thing, though, is I'm like, that song, like, just it wrapped in your head. Because I, I remember specifically the car section annoyed me because it was like, you know, because in between each unit, they would just keep playing the When Can I See You Again, whoa, oh, oh. And then you get to Cars, and all of a sudden it starts playing uh, Life, Life is a Highway, but it didn't mix with that song. So it was like very abruptly, like just all of a sudden it's a different song. And I was like, man, that does not mix well. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, like I said, I love this parade. Disney like never announced or admitted why it didn't come back. Uh, there's a lot of rumors, though, especially, you know, and we might be finding out soon. Um, that the rumor, the main rumor is that, uh, and I think we might have discussed it uh, on mic before, <laughs> just letting people know how little we remember stuff that we talk about on mic or not. There's a rumor that this parade was such a humongous hit. From what I've heard, um, it was as big of a hit as uh, literally Fantasmic or Main Street Electrical Parade, where Disney thought and they were like, man how can we 
takes this to Disney World. And that's where I kind of get in my mean sense on Disney World is that the rumor from the get-go of this uh, parade opening was, when are they going to send this over to Disney World? Because that was the thing is that they were like, this is a humongous hit. It should be there. And the rumor right now is that for the, and it's going to be next year, is for Walt Disney World's 50th. They're going to be bringing Paint the Night as their new nighttime spectacular electrical parade. And I'm like, these jerks. Because, you know, it was that thing. Like, for years, I was just like, I don't know. And then, like I said, when it closed at Disneyland and it opened back at DCA, I was like, oh, well, that's because of the stupid Pixar fest that they were doing, which I'm... Uh, yeah. Don't need to get back on how stupid that was. But then that was the thing. is when it ended in 2018, it was just like, well, where's the parade? And that's the thing is now we've all been sitting around going, where's this parade at? And that's the thing is every, basically every month that it sits like that, the rumor becomes stronger that it's going to be going to Disney World. Probably we'll be seeing like some sort of announcement about that sooner or later since, you know, that is next year's uh, big thing for Disney World. And, you know, I hate to say it, but with the coronavirus stuff, it's probably going to be a, a big deal to do that because it's like, how do you get people convinced that they need they need to come back to Disney World? Oh, do the 50th anniversary. Have a brand new parade that's opening. Have the Tron Mike Cycle run opening up the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Remix, right? But yeah, uh, yeah. enough about uh, my random complaints on Disney World versus Disneyland. Because moving on to our number one parade, and as Hunter alluded to, and I've said a couple times, this is a parade that legit, we stop every time to watch. And partially because my daughter loves this ride, uh, ever since she was uh, really small. But, and I feel like this is going to be controversial for some people, because I did not know that there is a huge hater uh, online presence for this, but... Mickey's Sensational Parade is our favorite parade at Disneyland. So, Mickey's Sensational Parade ran from 2011 to 2019, where it got replaced with Magic Happen. But this parade ran for almost 10 years. This parade was very much kind of a mix of like a dance party kind of concept with uh, being a parade. Now, the parade would start off with this humongous Mickey Mouse float and you would see Mickey Mouse on this float drumming and I remember for us like the coolest thing and um, I know we've mentioned it before on here but it was the first time you see this parade you realize that it's talking Mickey that's at the head of this parade and actually playing drums which is like the craziest that you could see um, from there it would be followed by Aladdin where they would play Prince Ali then you would get the Little Mermaid float let me just read off these names just because they're so funny. So the first float, uh, the Mickey Mouse one, is called Mickey Strikes Up. Uh, Mickey Strikes Up the Band. Then it moves on to Aladdin's Magical Symbol Celebration. From there, it would move into Sebastian Sebastian's Calypso Carnival, which was the Little Mermaid float. <laughs> so silly. Uh, a lot of the, uh, just a quick note, a lot of the like costumes and stuff are actually. Uh, recycled from other parades for this whole parade so i wonder if like that's also why it kind of lasted so long um the next float is donald's fiesta fantastico and this is where you would have the three caballeros which was also a great sight because they hate 
I don't know what is up with Disney, but they seem to hate the three Caballeros because they're like so like off and on with these guys. Uh, then you would get the Royal Princess Romantic Melodies, where you would get the princesses. Uh, it would have a float featuring uh, Snow White, Cinderella, Aurora, Belle, and Rapunzel. Then you would get Simba's Beastly Beats. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this one would feature those characters from Jungle Book, Lion King, and for whatever reason, Turk from Tarzan was on it. But it had a an animatronic King Mufasa float, uh, which was insane. But it's also uh, from like the former uh, Lion King parade that they had done in the 90s. And then you would get Tiana's New Orleans Jazz Jubilee, which featured Tiana... Um, and, uh, of course, all the other characters on the boat. This one was actually cool because it literally was a uh, riverboat. I-, I always loved the way this one looked. Um, then you would get Peter Pan's Neverland Buccaneer Blast. Consider me. This one, though, you would see uh, Mr. Smee and Captain Hook and Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. And then it would end with Mary Poppins' Spoonful of Rhythm. <laughs> So, this was a 23-minute long uh, parade. No, this was, honestly, this was, like, this is probably my favorite parade of all time. Just, like, it was so cool. I do want to point out, though, there was a... I totally forgot about this, too. They did have a pre-parade join in a few years in, and it was because Frozen was such a huge hit that they added a Frozen (laughs) float. And I forgot about that. Remember, it was like a small float and it was just Elsa and Anna on it. And then I think it was like an animatronic Olaf on it. And it was just like, what is this thing? Because it would literally run before the parade and it would just be playing Let It Go. And it, it just didn't fit in. And you were I just think like, okay. the last and then one, they would right? be like, oh. No, uh, no, that's what I'm saying. It, it was the very first thing. So uh, the way they list it is that it was considered a pre-parade because it wasn't oh, added, yeah, that's or right, it was added late. Yeah, it was added late, so what they did is they just kind of threw it at the beginning, and uh, they just were like, okay, whatever, here's this float for whatever reason, and then it would play and move on, and then you would get the actual parade, <laughs> which is the stupidest way to do that. Anyway, um, no, like I said, this was definitely our favorite parade. I know, and uh, I know I'm stealing this from you guys, but one of our favorite things that we would actually do all the time is we would make sure to have lunch at the Carnation Cafe and we would sit outside so we could watch the parade as it went by and that was like one of our favorite things to do all the time uh what are some of your thoughts on this George the music man the music is like the best and then seeing like Mickey with the drums like it's awesome and I was gonna say I'm like George has to mention the drums because George has to have like a thousand videos of (laughs) drumming Mickey (laughs) That was like your favorite thing to just record on your phone and post online. I'm just like, you don't, you don't already have this video? <laughs> no, I, I totally agree, though. I love this song. I, I have this song on my phone. Uh, I have a rip of it of the actual recorded version, which is funny because the recorded version is actually longer because it includes the in-between music, which I didn't know that uh, before you get to Aladdin. There's like this weird in-between moment where they play uh, Zippity Doodah, but it's a weird 
rap version or whatever. So it's zip, 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 booty, oh, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. we don't need this. <laughs> we don't need you to break it down, fool. <laughs> what, you didn't like the throwback to A Day at Disneyland from the uh, sing-along special we had? <laughs> zip, zip. <laughs> It's what these dudes do. Oh man! No, um, but definitely, like the music to me is like iconic. You know, sensational. Whoa, love this phrase. I I miss it so much. Though I haven't seen the new one, so I can't criticize it. Uh, what are some of your thoughts, though, Hunter? I mean, you're you're right there on it because we made sure to have at least one day where we had lunch at a Carnation Cafe just to watch this and. Because, you know, even though we're in a big group of, like, 10-plus, we're all, you know, children at heart. So, like, we had a table of adults and children singing along to this parade while we're trying to eat and enjoy and enjoy a meal. And it's honestly just some of those moments where I feel like people are probably, like, looking at us like, man, they, uh, <laughs> they seem to be enjoying themselves. I feel like every time we go eat, get, like, lunch there, it was always, like, on point. Like, we didn't even plan it of going to the, watching the parade while we eat. It was just there. So good. Foundational. Get into the music. <laughs> ah, love it. And I, I know you got me so dancing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I do want to mention, though, they. I only saw it like a few times, but uh, when they were doing the Mickey celebration, you know, for his, um, what was it, the 80, 80th birthday, right? Or 90, no, 90th. 90th. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how to count. Uh, for the 90th, they added like the, that was like another uh, weird thing that they had added. But they added the float of like, it's like a toy Mickey, like a wind-up toy at the beginning. I know it came from a different parade, but it was like one of those things where you're like, you just hear this in the front to be like, oh yeah, by the way, Mickey Mouse. And you're like, yeah, he's the first float. We, we get it. <laughs> like, he's about to come by drumming. I don't know why we needed this. <sighs> what a good song. I'm just looking at the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Where is it? Right here. Um, Get into the spirit. Let everyone hear it. So come on, come on. Sensational. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I love this song, though. No, um, so that's like, uh, that's our top three for each. I do want to mention because obviously, I know anyone listening is probably screaming <laughs> right now. Going, how are you not going to mention Fantasmic or Main Street Electrical or maybe World of Color? So I do want to say, so with the list, we did decide that we weren't going to add those three just because we were like, oh, you know, obviously those are number one. But uh, we, I don't want to even say it's an honorable mention. I'm just going to say these are the number ones, like the... <laughs> Uh, I guess the eternal number one would be Fantasmic, World of Color, and Main Street Electrical Parade, even in its uh, weird short versions. Yeah. Not to open a, a wound for George, because he never got to see the original Fantasmic live. But Fantasmic, oh, so cool. I know, <laughs> I know. Fantasmic for me uh, goes back to like me being a you know a kid. It's nostalgia. And that's the thing is like when I was a kid growing up in California and my parents uh, are, you know, my mom and my aunt worked at Disneyland. We would go literally every week to Disneyland on Thursdays and we would watch Fantasmic. And that was the thing is like, uh, I remember our, my parents 
or you know my mom and her sisters they would like bring like towels with them to Disneyland because of course we're locals but they would bring towels and they would lay them out like <laughs> like an hour before Fantastic would play to like scope out a spot and then uh, they would be like yeah you guys just go ride whatever and we would just take off and come back to watch uh, Fantasmic like that's something I remember doing of course they don't do that anymore because you have to get the fast pass but like uh, that's what I think of with Fantasmic uh, I think with Fantasmic oh, yeah. too like the main thing that I love about it is just like the beginning and towards the end and like that dragon like it's such a great you know I guess show even like the parts with Peter Pan coming out like even when the music of like Dumbo or not Dumbo um uh Winnie the Pooh it, it's such a great show and like I was telling guys that I I seen part of that show like like since the beginning towards the end but I haven't get a chance to watch like the whole thing at once because there was like a point where you're like ah let's just go we'll come back later we'll come back later and then they close that and it's in the new version now which is completely different <laughs> yeah I mean unfortunately the new, new version is not like the worst thing ever but it does suck because like if you were to compare them side by side you'd be like well there's definitely one here that's you know significantly better to the point where it makes you question why it needed to be updated at all no I mean I I totally agree because the thing is is that and it goes back to and we we were just discussing this like at length uh, as a family because of course uh, that's what we do but we had family visiting from uh, Florida uh, our cast member family members and we were talking about how Disney has this like weird issue where for a company as large as they are they don't understand at all like you know their own company so one of the things is, and um, I hate to admit it, but Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is a great example too, is they love to jump in on something at the tail end. So my thing is that you've literally got, so in 2017, they do the redo of uh, Disneyland, Disneyland's version of Fantastic. They replace the section in the middle, which is to me like the icon one of the iconic moments i think all of it is, is iconic maybe it's because of how many times i've seen it but they replaced the part with peter pan in the middle with pirates of the caribbean which makes no sense to do because pirates of the caribbean is like done like that franchise is over at that point and it's just like why why did you choose now to be like oh let's throw pirates of the caribbean in on this for no reason um, and, you know, that's, I mean, I'm sure some people, uh, I liked all of them, even the bad ones. But, <laughs> get out of here. Well, I mean, uh, if I can... Yeah. Hey, go on. Uh, if I can piggyback on that thought, it's like the new version, my my biggest gripe about it, even though I do like, you know, I, I think I've watched it twice. Uh, but my biggest gripe has been, uh, I don't like the way the uh, the song is sung in the middle. I feel, and I feel bad for the lady because I'm pretty sure that she was just doing what they, you know, kind of directed her to do. But she just seems to be like over dramatizing while singing, and it actually makes the song hard to listen to. Are you talking about the romantic part in the middle? Yeah. Yes, I agree. One hundred percent. Yeah, and then they like just, the monkey um, play. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's, uh, what is it? Um, they replaced that too. And that's another one. They replaced, uh, the part, the jungle book part in the middle 
they replaced that with um, uh, what is it called? Aladdin. Yeah. So instead of it, yeah, instead of it being Ka, it's now supposed to be the snake version of Jafar. And it's like, why? Like, why did you need this? Like, no one was calling for this change. Like, we already have our main villain for the show. We don't need this one thrown in. Yeah, we already had our main villain. It was Disney management. (laughs) 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 No, um, I do want to bring up just because I actually think this is like one of the coolest things about this. Uh, Of course, this is like a Tony Baxter thing was uh, redoing this because, of course, Tony Baxter always. But um, one of the things was when they decided that they were going to do this show on the waterfront is that they had to actually redo the landscape that's over there. And um, I know it's ridiculous to think of that now because this is like 30 years ago but a lot of that area did not look like that and i've seen pictures like the thing that's probably the biggest difference to me uh or to anyone would be pirates of the caribbean because um and i think it's like um i hate to say so many times but it's an iconic thing is that little bridge that goes over uh pirates and you have to go under it you have the turnstiles that wrap around to go up to pirates it was not like that before Phantasmic. Before Phantasmic, Pirates was literally doors. Like, it was just those doors, You they were open, and you would just walk straight into that queue. And I'm just like, that is insanity. <laughs> it was just a completely just level area, and they were just doors that you walked up to. And Tony Baxter created this, like, beautiful, like, landscape to fall into that, which I, I think is... A, probably the most Tony Baxter thing you could do is <laughs> redesign that to look like that for just the the sake of it. I agree. I mean, Tony Baxter, he's like, he's like that Imagineer where people could tell me something crazy and throw his name on top of it. And I'm probably going to believe it just because like, I'm like, well, that guy, he, he has a way with turning it like everything amazing. Yeah. Uh, he has a, he has a knack for taking, and I hate to, uh, I will say it's like, kind of um, a choke point though but it's that thing it's like he took something that could have just stayed the way it was and he was just like we could make it look more um you know lovely we could make it look more uh like you know homey and uh it's like any logical person would have been like why would you do that why wouldn't you create just like an area for you know that cue but i love that he was like we could make it look like beautiful instead of just making it be a straight up cue just making it doors (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, then uh, the next one I would say as our, you know, eternal would be World of Color. I know World of Color gets a bad rap because, um, and I, I will say this is another example of Disneyland or uh, Disney management just kind of shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, they love to talk about what their plans are and then never deliver on that thing. So, uh, and I know we remember because we, when uh, they were doing the Blue Sky Cellar at uh, DCA, we were very big on going in there. And they would have a video about World of Color coming. And I remember they would talk about how it has this story and blah, blah, blah. Uh, they would show off. Um, I'm an Alice in Wonderland fan. So I remember that was my one annoyance is that when it opened, they would always show like this uh, image of like the water making like uh you know the cheshire cat like the way in the movie when he's disappearing so it's like the water uh making the stripes 
and then it opens and that's not there. And you're like, where's this freaking Alice in Wonderland fiction? <laughs> and uh, it turns out that what happened is um, they, uh, they couldn't get the effects to work right. And then they just realized, they're like, dude, it's just water fountains. And they were like, you don't have to do all this cool stuff. You don't need a storyline wrapping all this. It's just water fountains. And I know a lot of people complain um, online or in podcasts about the fact that World of Color, you know, takes out the story element and it's just basically greatest hits uh, with music and cool effects. But I'm just like, it's a, it's a water show. Like, what did you expect? I mean, uh, one thing I hate is I've heard so many people compare it to the Bellagio Fountains and they're like, what they do at the Bellagio Fountains is so spectacular. I just don't understand how Disney just, you know, did such a mediocre job with World of Color. And I'm like, I, I always get annoyed because I'm like, you realize the Bellagio Fountains is a line of fountains and a circle. They don't have different colors. All they do is they play music and it goes with the music. I'm like, World of Color has colors and stuff that mix with it. So uh, that's like my annoyance. I'm like, it's totally a big difference. Like, they do a much better job. It also has fire, so, you know, there's fire. There's also cool things that they randomly do on it, uh, because the, um, the Fun Wheel and sometimes the Incredicoaster, formerly uh, California Adventure, uh, California Screaming, they would uh, put lights and stuff that would go into the show or projections on there. Um, but that's the thing. I'm like, this is actually, like, for them to have dumbed it down, I'm like, it fully works and it's pulled off this way. I don't know, do you have any thoughts on this, George? Um, no, not really. Well, you know, like, um, I'll jump on there then, because um, I, I just have one small point, and that's just that it's funny that they were complaining about it, but like the only thing I want to throw on that is, let's be honest, that's just Disney fans wanting to complain for the sake of complaining, because honestly, I, I've stopped for, uh, for this show a couple of times, and... I'll give you most of the time it's during, uh, it's during like, you know, special versions of the show. But I've never had an experience where I'm like, oh, this isn't very cool. Yeah, I know. The only bad thing with this one is that there is a thing that uh, at certain angles you can't see certain things. Uh, yeah. That's the one detractor. But I'm just like, they didn't build this, they didn't build this park with something in mind like this. So I'm like, they did a great job. And then, you know, uh, considering how much defending I hear uh, in the Disney fan community about Rivers of Light at uh, Animal Kingdom, <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, look, I'm I'm like, I'll just do the same for this thing because I love World of Color. I know the only and the other thing with uh, you know that's a complaint would be you have to have a hard ticket for it. You have to get like a fast pass, and that's kind of annoying because it's like you're you know boxing yourself in. Like I will be at this to watch this. Yeah. And then um, for our last eternal, of course, the parade that will never die, the Main Street Electrical <laughs> Parade, which has been running in some form uh, since 1972. <laughs> Somehow just continuing forever. Hey, I mean, that, uh, so, that's your icon, though, right? I mean, that's what I can remember growing up seeing all the darn time. No, I mean, you're right. Uh, and they have shifted uh everywhere they have um it's i think it's played at every i think almost every disney park 
but it's honestly it's the classic and it's the thing that they can never uh get around is this ride uh or ride this um parade and like i said when we were talking about paint the night like paint the night comes closest but uh paint the night is also very much shorter than this one is because paint the night i think is like only like 20 minutes long or it's 17 minutes long and this i'm pretty sure it's like 30 minutes at least because it's got a thousand floats in it um a good note though on how you can tell how old this uh parade truly is uh and one day we're gonna have to do like a long you know thing on it but it's like there, that whole section, the Americana section with the flag and the eagle, was to celebrate the bicentennial in 1976. And I think that's so funny because I never understood why that was there. I was just like, are we just like making it a point to be American? And then when I found <laughs> out that it's because of this, I was like, it makes sense. But at the same time, I'm like, that's insane that this is how old this thing truly is. Like, they don't even remove that. I, like. You would have thought, like, after the bicentennial, they'd just take the float out. They left that thing in there, just like, no, nah, it's going to definitely have the flag with the eagle forever. Like, America, that's why. Yeah, America. What is it? The, uh, all the countries of the world, but mostly America. But mostly America. <laughs> no, but uh, this is the eternal parade. Uh, it's Like I said, it's so many times it's, they've tried to replace it and then it gets replaced uh then the replacement gets replaced with this uh yeah probably probably the most like the funniest version of that happening is spectro magic and this is disney world but um at disney world it uh closed in 1991 and was replaced by a very similar parade which i've actually seen called uh, spectro magic um and this parade ran and then when it when they finally took it down it got replaced with who would have guessed but it got replaced with the electrical parade again and i'm like that's insane like like they built this parade to replace the main street electrical and then it ends up getting replaced by main street electrical um just a quick note it opened in 1991 at walt disney world and closed in 2010. And yeah, because like, I know I have it somewhere because like I have a bunch of uh, boxes in my room full of just souvenirs from the park. I know I have at least one or two, uh, you know, see it glow one last time flyers for the time that they tried to get rid of the parade and it ultimately failed. And like you said, the parade that tried to take over for it eventually gets replaced by it. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's, it's pure insanity. I will say Spectro Magic I thought was really cool because it has a Chernabog float, which was like insane to me. <laughs> I was like, what the, what is this thing in here? The villain that we all love, but people, uh, not a lot of people like have watched the source material for him. <laughs> yeah, he's a little demon. Nah, but uh, that's going to do it for us this week. I know we're super long, and <laughs> but, you know, like I said, we we just wanted to talk about these because we don't really do them that often. So we wanted to let you know, like, what uh, is exactly what we go for, which is very obviously Disneyland's 50th. But um, <laughs> seriously, we want to thank you guys. Uh, if you can go ahead and uh, like, subscribe, follow us uh, on 
Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes. You can download direct, of course, uh, at geocomedy.com slash 3GATM. Make sure to follow us uh, on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as 3GATM Podcast. Uh, I will just be super honest with you. It will be me uh, responding to you, but I do like responding, uh, especially I know Nathan loves to jump on there anytime we post anything. But uh, you can join us in that conversation, and we uh, or I post things that I think are interesting. But, um, you know, like I said, uh, thank you guys for listening. See you later. Adios. Ciao.